Welcome to the Artelligence Podcast. I'm Marion Manneker, and we're going to explore the mysteries of the global art market. Stavros Merjos is a private dealer in Los Angeles. This conversation, which took place before the contemporary sales in New York in May, covers the print market, Ed Ruscheh, Los Angeles, hot artists from the 80s, Richard Prince, and how cheap Warhols really are. So, Stavros, give me that sense of, one, what your uh, sort of collecting goals are, and then we can talk a little bit maybe about artists and movements, and then finally about uh, Los Angeles. Collecting goals um, really started in uh, the mid-90s, and I spent about a year trying to figure out, you know, what my collection was going to look like before I actually got active and started to buy a lot of art. And for me, uh, what I liked and what I wanted to collect was the, uh, the pop movement of the 60s, the artists that came to prominence during the 60s, and then collect their work, not just in the 60s, but work that I thought was interesting throughout their careers. And, um, and uh, so that was kind of the focus. And um, I like to collect in depth. I'm not a guy that wants to have one picture by this guy and one picture by that guy. I much prefer to collect you know, six or seven artists and collect them in depth, whether it's you know, paintings, drawings, like Ed Ruscheh, a perfect example of someone I collect. I've been collecting since 95. I have a really large collection of his work. And I love the work. And I love the differences in the work. I love the prints. I love the drawings. I love his paintings. Photography. Um, really amazing artist. And I, I like to have some of, the, of a lot of the work. So, you know. So that's a great example. So we've been perfect in a big, example. big run up of, uh, in Ruscheh over the last, but it's been a nice, steady, slow. Right. Uh, development of the market, and you're sitting there owning a, a fair amount across the board. A lot. How do you decide what you either want to buy or sell at any given time in that market? Well, with Ed, um, Ed's, Ed's probably the, the kind of centerpiece of my collection uh, in a lot of ways. So um, I really don't actually do a lot of business in Ed, um, especially with the work that I've bought over the, the 15 years I've collected it. I might buy at auction or privately from somebody, a piece that I buy as inventory. But um, the work that I've been buying of his over the years mostly is in my collection. And it's not something I think about selling. But you're right, I mean, it, and rightfully so. I think right now his market is posed, poised to be uh, similar to, I think, what happened with Richter, where all of a sudden it's going to just be one of these things where people realize that this is a guy with so many fresh ideas, up till right now, where the new spaghetti western paintings, which are awesome. I mean, this guy just doesn't stop. There's constantly strong ideas coming from him. He's never resting on his laurels. He, every decade, has come up with an amazing body of work since he started. And um, I think it's rare. I mean, he's someone I like to point to when someone gets excited about somebody who's you know, been making work for maybe 10 years and explaining to them, you know, this is what a great career looks like. You know, where the late work continues to be strong, where you don't feel the guy gets lazy or just gives up. And um, so you're you're not soliciting people to, to buy from you, but you're also not fending them off. In someone terms comes, of, if someone comes to you and knows that you have a piece to of buy Ed's work, yeah, I will be selling. Really? Yeah, yeah. I'm not one of these guys that everything. You know, I I have stuff. Once it's in my house, which is where most of my really good pieces of Ed's are, they're not for sale, and I wouldn't sell Ed's work. And then broader the stuff that you're buying to either 
deal or if I buy own. things at auction or I buy from a collector who needs money or whatever it is and I buy a piece that might work as, as inventory but if it's something that's really choice most likely I would end up trying to keep it oh so it's really you get the I first continue. look yeah, and, and like and you, it's funny we start with him because that's the one artist where, you know, I, I don't think there's a lot of work out there. He's not a guy that pumps it out like a lot of, of artists do now, and Andy did then. And so uh, it is difficult to find good work, and, and um, it's someone that I, you know, as, a, as, a, as now I'm originally a New Yorker, but now as an L.A. resident uh, for the last 15 years, 20 years almost, um, I just think he's, he's a, such an important part of my collection not someone I think about really much doing much dealing with. But you are interested broadly in pop painters, right? Very interested. I, I do a lot of business with Rosenquist, uh, Warhol, Oldenburg, and do you want to talk Wesselman. Yeah, Wesselman. Do you want to talk, I, I noticed there's, there's uh, every auction season we come around, we think, oh, there's, there's not that much Warhol uh, uh, here. And then all of a sudden, at the last minute, you look through the catalogs, and there's not only a substantial number of, of pieces, though there are no big major Warhols, except maybe that Mona Lisa at uh, 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 Christie's, uh, but you've seen things like there's a small um, car crash that was sold at Sotheby's probably in the last two years that's come back on the market because Christie's you know, wants to see it on the, the market. So there's clearly a lot of demand. Uh, for Warhol at all of these levels. Is that because there are new collectors coming in or because there are people trading up with him? You know, Warhol's such an interesting artist. Um, and I, and I, 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 I would draw a comparison to Picasso where you can say the same thing. I mean, you can look through even the print sales. What do you see? You see tons of the plates and the, you know, all kinds yeah, of all the ceramics, uh, ceramics, yeah, yeah, yeah. and the and same with the print sales with Warhol. You look in the back, and there's Marilyn's and Mao's and flowers. And, and what's amazing about both these artists is that they both made pretty similar amounts of work. Supposedly, we don't know until the catalog resonated out, but everyone has said it's pretty similar. And what they both did was gave you all these different entry points. And I think that as an artist and as a, for a market. It's a great way to go because, you know, you're able to start off with Andy, for instance, of buying a set of prints or a print that actually is very close to the technique he makes paintings. You know, they're both silkscreens. Yep. And if you buy a unique print, which you're able to do, like a trial proof, it's even closer to buying a painting. So, you know, you can get a wonderful trial proof, 38 by 38, which is a nice size for a house. And you can buy, you know... Of a, of a really good subject, like let's say a James Dean, for a couple of hundred thousand dollars. And you have something that's, you know, the size of a, if a James Dean painting that size would be worth six, there isn't any actually, because 22 inches is the only size of the James Dean painting. But a 40 inch James Dean painting would be worth six, seven million dollars. So here you've got one that's actually pretty damn close to a painting because it's unique, it's silkscreen, and you can have it for a price that's you know, a start-off point for some people. Or you can get a print, you know, for 20000 which is a start-off for somebody else. It's a nice way to be able to, and the works are strong. So, you know, with Andy, I think that there's so many of those types of situations that for a new collector, it's not, it's not intimidating. They can come in and say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go with a smaller number. I'm going to buy something like that, which I feel, and let me live with it. And now he's lived with that print for a while. He's like, you know, I really like living with this. Man. Buy a painting. But are people doing that? Or are they actually coming in? And, and there's almost a luxury goods thing here where people don't 
they want the more expensive item. No, actually, if you look at the, and I do, I mean, this is what I do, is look, if you look at the sales, I mean, the, his print market is insane. I mean, insane. And if you take, I mean, I don't know if you remember, but Christie's did a, a sale during their day sales in November of full sets of prints. Some of them trial proofs, so some of them were unique sets. They sold great. And, and there's a reason for that. You know, it's a, it's, it's, it's a way to have something that gives you a lot of bang for your buck, a lot of wall space, for a reasonable amount compared to what a painting that size would cost. And so a lot of dealers deal in them. Um, and I think, that it, I think that's how I started. Yep. I bought you know, two sets of prints in 95. I bought the ads and I bought myths. And I bought them from Larry. And that was the first kind of major purchase for me. You know? And that was my kind of getting wet. Getting my feet wet and saying, okay, this is okay, I can do this. And felt good about them and then, you know, started buying pants. And, and are you seeing that among people I think, coming to I you think, coming, doing the same thing? Look, I, I, I think that that happens across the board. I think that that is a way people get comfortable buying pants. I think you could talk to a lot of collectors who tell you they started with either prints or drawings and then got comfortable, you know, and said, okay, well, this is, I didn't put money into something that just disappeared. You know, it's, got, it's holding its value. And the nice thing with Andy and Picasso is you can constantly see the market because there is a large amount of work. So stuff comes up, similarities, where you can say, oh, well, that's kind of like what I had. And it's, oh, okay, well, it did a number. And so that gives me comfort. I can go back in. That, that's one of the pluses with ArtNet. You know, ArtNet's made it harder sometimes because people can find out, oh, well, it's all for this. But it also makes it nice for people to be able to check and say, oh, okay, I bought one of those eight by ten dollar signs in, you know, 2003 for 150 grand. Oh, one just sold for 610, and that kind of looks like mine. Okay, that makes me feel good. I'll go buy another painting. And so I think, in that sense, um, it's been good for the market. No, I think there's there's a the, the missing element there is that we need to get all of these catalogs resumes that have been printed made more accessible. I think there's someone. I'm trying to remember. Someone told me that they're doing something. I think maybe it's Pace that's doing something where the catalog resumes are all going to be online. Well, they have a service to, to allow you to create a new one. Uh, this is, it's like everything. Is that, is that what it was? Yeah, yeah. yeah they're, they're, if, you, if you work with them, they'll, right. they'll build you a catalog resume online, which is the way it ought, ought, ought to be. It's just, we have this, um, you know, deficit. We've got, you know, hundreds of thousands of these great books, but they're, they're, a lot of them aren't being printed, a lot of them aren't accessible. A lot of them out of print. The, Magritte, the Magritte's are out of print, you know, which is an amazing catalog resume. It's one of the best. David Sylvester did it, just incredible. Um, you know, they've got everything there, and you can read about them. And it's, I mean, it's, it's they're really an amazing set of books. I, I think that in the art market, the, since there's no other value to the art but what you're educated to, you know, your own aesthetic judgment or what you believe or understand to be the art right. history, and that missing element, which you know, until someone you know bites the bullet and figures out a way to uh, make it into a business, we're just going to be. You know, the, it's not just the information asymmetry; it's the lack of marketing and then bringing people. And it also how how well the artist has kept his, or had if he's passed on, how well he kept his records. I mean, what Jeff Koons is doing is a perfect example. I mean, his basically his catalog resume is online. He 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 maintains it. He's kept great records of every piece, so you know it's all there. And um, you know that's that's what you would hope that you know an artist has that type of of history. But a lot of times they don't. 
and so a lot of the information just wasn't kept. So let's talk about other artists. You were uh, mentioning earlier that you're becoming interested in color field yes. work, and and because uh, of their sort of um, uh, chronological proximity to pop, or just because you think it's a, 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 a sort of underdeveloped uh, market. Well, you know, as as this became my kind of full time business, um, there weren't enough artists just to work with in. in Pops room, and I work a lot with a guy that, that lives in New York who specialized in, in the color field business and knows it really well. And so he and I started doing some things together. This guy Hayden Dunbar, who had worked at Paul Kasman's, and um, and we started to work with artists like Stella, um, Nolan, uh, Motherwell, uh, Frankenthaler, and um, Um, well, then you got to go to uh, Morris Lewis we all get and it. Morris Lewis, and those kind of those five guys. And I and, uh, think visually, for me, they made a lot of sense because I liked it. And I, I really don't like to work with artists, you know, to work with, with work that I'm just thinking, okay, well, this is going up in value, so I should I should be involved in it. I have to really like the work because you know you're buying paintings, and a lot of times you're buying paintings and holding on to them for a long time. So you know, I want to live with them a little bit. I would put them up in my office and enjoy them. I want to bring one home for a while, and I, you know, I like to buy things I really like. And uh, learning about this work and and um, and really finding the, the 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 bodies of work within each artist that I like and would want to work with um, has been a lot of fun. And it was just like this whole other group to get to to, to learn about and get involved with. So you know, Morris Lewis is sort of the tip of the spear in that that group. I mean, there's much in more terms of. Big sales and visibility over the last Stella, years. Stella, I think, is going to be the tip of the. Uh, well, yeah. I, 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 I think Stella's the tip of the. the really, I, yeah. I mean, I first of all, Morris Lewis made so little work. Well, he died so quickly that you know it's you have to take that into account because that's a big part of it is the scarcity. But um, no, I mean, you're going to start seeing these... in the next six months, I think, or next year. I already know privately things that have been happening with him, and he's uh, he's ready. I love the work. I mean, learning about it and really getting into it. I mean, some of it's very difficult, but it's really good. And he's one of these guys that is not afraid, to, you know, to keep putting new work out and not, you know, not rest on his laurels, not go back and say, oh, well, you know, that was popular, so let me make another version of it, you know, in the 90s when I did it in the 60s. And they did a little bit of concentrics in the late 70s, but not really. And, and uh, you know, what he does now, I mean, it's, it's still great. You know, the new work is great. I've seen pieces that, that are just awesome. And um, he's a really interesting artist. I think the, the big retrospective coming up is going to be really good for him so and his, and his market. For people, yeah, yeah and, I, and I think, um, and just good to remember, you know, this is one of the great living artists. Oh, I think it was, what was it November? There were a couple of big It was the big one at Phillips that, 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 that was good for him. For people to see a good perspective. So may everyone yeah. sit up and notice. And the, yeah, and exactly. The, so, talk to me about LA. You, 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 it's an uh, interesting place. You know, it's um, when I first started collecting, it was you know very very um, shallow in terms of collector base. Um, kind of all knew each other, and we see each other at the, you know the same function. And um, you know, the hope was always that the people in the entertainment business would become catch on, you know, get excited the way they have in the financial business in New York. Um, I don't think it's happened. You know, in a, in the way it has here, I think that's that's because here we have such a base. There's so many years of collectors from you know starting in the 20s, 
and you just didn't have that in Los Angeles. And so it's taking longer. But what we do have in Los Angeles is, you know, some of the best museum directors in terms of people that are running the, the, the institutions. Um, we have uh, a great philanthropic base that's been extremely generous, especially with LACMA and what's going on there. And that, I don't think we had that before. And I think you know, Michael Govan's done a great job in developing it. And now, you know, the things that are going on are magical. And then Eli building his museum is super exciting. And, you know, so there's, there's those types of things that are happening that are very exciting. The fact that I think more artists want to live there than want to live here, that's exciting. I think, you know, an artist that's building his career and realizes the kind of space he can get there and the kind of camaraderie amongst the artists that, that exists out there, I think is very exciting to them. I think that the collector base is, is, is coming along, but I think... Um, it's not quite where the other things have gotten to. Um, and that's just maybe a matter of time. Um, but is your clientele mostly from First LA? of all, I, I deal a lot with other dealers. Um, it's kind of, and, and that's kind of because I own the work, I'm able to do that. And um, you know, the way that, you know, you'd normally have to take 10% off something anyway, if I give it to the dealer or even give them 15% and they're able to sell it, that's great. And so um, a lot of times I'm dealing with dealers, and they're everywhere. I mean, I deal with dealers in, in New York, California. Um, when, with collectors, I'd say more of the bigger things that I do business with generate out of New York and do out of Los Angeles. I'll sell things out there, and I have some nice clients out there, but um, more of it generates out of New York. And what is it you're, you're looking for either sort of right now, here, this week, or next week? Or uh, just sort of down the road. You know, I think I'm, I, the important thing for me is to find good pictures that are you know reasonable. And if something's a great picture, um, you know, I don't even mind stretching. And even if it is a little unreasonable, if it's a really great picture, you know, I think the most important thing always. And I try to tell this to people that are starting out collecting. It's, it's a hard thing to do and explain to somebody, especially someone whose business it is to kind of deals. You know, make deals. And a lot of the people you're dealing with are either making deals in Wall Street, they're making deals in, in uh, Hollywood, and they, they think that, it, that you apply that in collecting. And it's actually exactly the opposite. And it's so hard to, to convince people of this, but I personally believe this 100%, and that's the most important thing to building a collection that's going to increase in value. And that is pay, pay too much for great things as opposed to paying a deal on an eight or a seven. So I would always rather pay full price for a 10 than get a deal on a seven. And that, that or an eight. And that's really hard to prove to people. But it, it is the best collectors never worry about, and but, even the guys that's, that- That's an entertainment mentality. I, I mean that as a positive. You don't buy the second best novel because it's like the best seller and you got a little bit of a deal. It's the, there's, there's a winner-take-all yeah, That's part of the mentality, but you're also dealing with all the suppliers you deal with, and you're hammering them down, and you think of yourself as a deal-maker. And so, and I think the same thing in finance, where, you know, you're, you're looking for opportunities, you're looking for, you know, an under, the stock is worth this, but it's selling at this. Yeah. And, and you can do that maybe with an artist, but I wouldn't do it with a work. Like you can say, I think this artist is undervalued, and I'm going to buy some the, of his work. The wrong works by the right names, kind of thing. Yeah. Right. I mean, you can, or, or, but I'd rather just buy the right works by a guy that's 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 building right now. No, and that, I, I, 
since the financial crisis, the part of the market that has come back the quickest and been the highest has been the A plus market. But that's that's in any collectible. That's the case always. But it but we're just beginning to get the turn. It feels like in the last year or two, we still talk about it at the auctions, and all we get is the you know 130, 140 right. million dollar uh, uh, estimates, and everyone's beguiled by that. But it seems like if you look at just the number of um, lower level sales and the action in the day sales, that there is a vibrant lower level market. Vibrant. Vibrant. And enough work is coming to auction and coming to the auction houses where if you pay attention, whether you're a collector or a dealer, if you pay attention and spend enough time really invested in what you're doing, there's going to be good opportunities because, you know. If you, if, as a dealer, you don't focus on one thing, and you can focus on 20 or 30 and just sit and be patient. If you like 20 or 30 things and you think those are good works, chances are at an auction you're going to get two or three of them at a reasonable price that's a good investment. And that's not just for a dealer, but that's for a collector too. You know, if you focus on one thing and say, I've got to have that, then you're going to probably have to pay a lot for it. But, but, the, but, but the strength in those, that lower level market for less is because there are more people looking for them, or is there more dealers uh, looking for products? No, no, no. I, look, I think that the auctions used to be before the days of art in the 80s. I think auctions were more for dealers than they were for collectors. And yeah, I think yeah. that's changed drastically. Less in the day sales, where, you know, if you sit in the day, there's still a lot of dealers. Who knows who's on the phone? You know, just don't know. But um, day sales are always interesting. I think they actually can tell you more about the market than the night sale. Everybody reads the, the New York Times, you know, announcement of what happened in the night sales, and, and for people that aren't in the art world, that's what they see. They go, oh my God, work, 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 work. But sitting in a day sale tells you a lot. You know, it tells you more about specific artists. It, you know, shows you like this whole young thing that we were in the middle of last year that everybody thought was like, you know, pennies from heaven, and it turned out to be, you know, a bust. And that all came out in day sales. <laughs> and um, Fairly quickly, too. Very quickly. There was a year of it that everybody thought, that, you know, this was the easiest way to make money. And, you know, I tried to warn friends of mine who were, you know, starting to get into it to be careful. You know, this is not, don't, don't come in at these numbers. You know, if you really like this artist, wait. You'll, you'll have plenty of time. Kids 25 is going to make a lot of paintings. <laughs> and um, well, he's also going to go through a lot of phases, a lot of phases. in and out of phases. Exactly. And you know, I, I, it's so funny because no one of the of the newer collectors, no one studies art history. And so you yes. start to talk about the '80s and what happened in the '80s, and you bring up an artist who was you know, smoking hot in the '80s, and you say, you know, what about this? And they'll look at you like, what do you mean? I said, well, dude, this artist was just as hot as the guy that you're so excited about. Yes, well, and, and we're seeing some of them even coming back, you know, the Schnabels and Sally's exactly. and, well, and Clemente. Great and, artist. Uh, you know, Clemente's a great artist. It's, it's a market we're just talking Absolutely. about here. Absolutely. Yeah. Julian's a great artist. It's just that, you know, people don't understand, you know, that, that there are artists. Not everybody stays hot throughout their career. There'll be moments that they're hot, they come back, and then they can come back very strong. It's a little bit like the real estate market. Everyone thinks that it has to go straight up for forever. No one remembers what the early 90s were like. <laughs> you couldn't give away apartments in New York in the early 90s. <laughs> Nor could you give away paintings. Or paintings, exactly. <laughs> well, look, I, you know... Uh, uh, I think that's what was so surprising about the financial crisis is everyone's expectation has been through that level of right. trade. What thought, okay, buckle up, we're in for you know five or ten years of just staring at each other uh, right. until the ball blows over. 
And then the Yves Saint Laurent sale came along and we realized there were a lot of people with a lot of money who if you had something from the right person that was a great thing, there was, there was no short hey, spikes. I was hoping it was going to stay cool for a little longer. I couldn't believe how quickly it did come back. I mean, we had about six months where everybody thought, oh my God, it's the 90s again. So you were able to buy things people just wanted to get out before it really became you know, unsellable. And then, you know, after six months, it all of a sudden felt like, wait a minute, it's not going, you know, there's no more deals. And it came back very quickly. And, and that seems to have generated more demand between, or at least the competition between the auction houses to secure what they think is the best property. I mean, well, that came back even, I mean, the auction houses went to thinner catalogs, and all of a sudden now they're, you know, they're back to thicker than ever. Well, but how does that play out? Since you... You sell a lot to other dealers. I'm assuming you also put them. Well, I sell to dealers. Usually, it's a dealer has a client, and they'll end up selling the painting for me. Um, you know, I'll tell them what I need, Matt, and they they can they can sell it great. But uh, I mean, but the uh, uh, auction houses are just another uh, uh, front end in that sense. They deal with the customers. That I sell things to auction houses. You know, if, if I have a similar painting and there's a big price at auction and I can call the house and say, hey, if you have an underbidder, I've got a painting I'm willing to take less than it's sold for and I'd be very happy with that price. Auction houses are happy to do that for you. So I do a lot of business with auction I find auction houses are great for my business. I buy privately from them all the time. They sell things for me. It's, I have no problem with the auction houses. I think the auction houses are tough for secondary dealers that only work with consignments. I think that would make that business much tougher. If I had to rely on people giving me pictures to sell all the time, then I'm competing with the auction houses, and I'm going to lose, unless the person needs money wired tomorrow. And even that, you know, if it's the right picture, the auction house will figure out a way to do it. So if that's my business, I would think that, that they make my business harder. Uh, but in my business, I don't find it at all. They actually help me. They, they show that the, my material's worth more, if it's worth more. They give me, you know, point of purchase. They'll say, hey, look, look what this one sold for. That's valuable. And, they, and like I said, they sell pictures for me, and they offer me, they, they're very nice about selling them. I mean, they're, they're easy to deal with when you want to buy pictures. And, and when, when Donald Sultan, by the way, just to go back to what we were talking oh, about oh. before. I want to talk about Donald Sultan for a minute, because he's the perfect example to talk to about younger collectors. Yeah. Now, Donald Sultan, if, I'm, if my numbers are right, his primary prices in the 80s were $450,000. Now, I'm not good at taking dollars, 80s dollars and telling you what that is now, but you couldn't be hotter than Donald Sultan. Now, there's a good example. The lines were around the block to buy his stuff. That's a good example of just understanding art history. You know, I will tell people that story because most of the time when you say Donald Sullivan, they don't even know who he is. And the funniest part is <laughs> if he's got a market these days, it's probably a print market. Because you see the, the black and the red poppies yeah. in the print sales. By the way, they're, the beautiful. they're beautiful. They're gorgeous. They're the gorgeous. Lemons, I mean, he makes great looking paintings. And, it's a, and he's a good, and by the way, it's a good artist. So, I, you know, just to, when someone tells me, oh, this guy's going to be 30, but he's nonstop, is not going to be, a, and I'm just like, you know, Donald Sullivan. You know, it's a market no one understands. And it's just so yes. obvious to me. Well, also, I said the thing is, like, if you have the courage of your convictions and buy stuff that you uh, think is beautiful and love. You should be excited that no one else is interested. But it's always been about that great line about you know no one wanted these uh, Warhols when they were three hundred thousand. They, they look a lot better when they're two million. Yeah, exactly. And everyone's <laughs> suddenly you know chasing after the, the women all. And also, I, I like to stick to, to either guys that are much older or or passed away because honestly, you you have a much better idea 
Maybe. You're buying an artist who's in his 20s or 30s. You have no idea what that career is going to look like. But, you know, like, I'm, I've been collecting Richard Prince now for myself. I love that work. I've just, in the last couple of years, like it more and more. But you know, this is a guy who's already proven that, you know, over, you know, from the early 80s, doesn't rest on his laurels, no matter how successful he is. You might not like everything he does, but this guy puts so much interesting work out there. And, I mean, he is obsessed with doing interesting, great, different things all the time. Just look at that. This guy is awesome. And, you know, he's not going anywhere. No, As no, a, and the Instagram work sort of showed that he has a real idea about everything he's done and how it's changed. Whether you like the Instagram work or not, it's you don't have to. It doesn't matter. The fact I don't even care whether you like it or not. I just say this guy had balls to do it. He could rest on his laurels. He could do you know some other sort of a joke or a thing. No, he comes up with these, which are so unique. I think they're great. They're unique. They're 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 present. They you know they just feel like now. Like, yeah. Bam! And for a guy that's been doing it as long as he has to come up with something that fresh, that no one young kid came up with that idea, that he comes up with it, it's just like that. To me, it's awesome. I bought the Tony Shafrazi Instagram, which is the best. It's the most awesome Instagram with Tony Young. Have you ever seen what Tony looks like, Young? Oh, vibrant! Just like anyway. No, they feel like like, like art. I mean, exactly. and and if the and they're current. And, and if the. Uh, court case does for the um, Canal Zone Rasta paintings, uh, you know, what, what most other sort of thefts or court oh, yeah. cases are done, those, those two. Oh, those are great. I love those paintings. I think those are really good paintings. And it's, it's, it's funny, it's like we, uh, there are some other pieces of his that never really come to market. You know, we, we see the protest things every once in a while. Right. It's mostly jokes. And um, There's a great body. I mean, there's a body of work called the O Paintings that I don't know if they, he ever even did a show of them. And I love those. Uh, they're really yeah. cool. Yeah. I love these. They're, they're, I've seen those. I've seen variations. Yeah, he puts them on Instagram sometimes, which is how I kind of found them and then, uh, and then bought them from his, a couple of them from his dealer. So the, the last thing to just kind of yeah. cover, uh, let's talk about, you just said you're, one of the advantages you have is that you, um, uh, you're an intermediary, you'll acquire the work so you don't have to represent someone, and right. if, you, if you don't have a buyer, you're willing to sit on it until right. the right time. I'm buying things I like. Right. And I assume you, you do this in conjunction with other people, that you spread the risk a little bit? Or uh, absolutely, absolutely. Is and it depends, you know, a, a lot of the times it's with my, my friend Hayden in New York, and then there's a couple other guys I'll do things with. Is there more demand for that? That's where I'm going with this is it feels like there are more people who want to play in that, and are these guys, uh, because they think it's a good financial I think that, play and yeah. trust you? I think a lot of people are, are doing that. I tend to do it with other people that deal, that other, and I don't do it with very many people. You know, I have a very small number of people I do that with, and they're they're mainly people that are, and they are people that are dealers. They're not, you know, moonlighting. Because so, most of the people I know who do, do the, this, it's they've got a small group of people they trust. It's almost all handshake. There's right. not a lot of. It's all handshake. Going on, on I mean, there's there's paperwork because I like that paperwork. But honestly, if good, if, good, if, good if, good if, if it's not somebody that you're willing to create up a painting and ship to with no, paper, you shouldn't be doing it with them anyway. I mean, that's basically it. And I think that's what's important in the art world. You know, the art world is 
is a is a handshake business, especially on our end of it. And, and are your partners like you, sort of looking for a first look for um, material? So they're just happy to acquire a painting as they are to make a deal. I think most of the people people that I work with are mostly people that, that find you know finding the things are the are, is the hard part. You know, you're, the kind of things that you you're going to want to buy, chances are it's, it's getting harder and harder. It just is, you know. Um, Things dry up. No, no, no. Things dry up. I think what one of the interesting things about the Warhol, we'll leave it on this. Yeah. I want to talk about the Warhol market. And I'll tell you that the most interesting thing that people don't realize is that in the 90s, you had this kind of perfect storm of a foundation that sold off a lot of their work quickly as opposed to slowly like most do because really Andy's mission was more about philanthropy than it was about getting the full value for every single thing in his, in his thing. He wanted to get to the, the, the philanthropy as quickly as possible. So you had the 90s where a lot of work was sold off from the foundation. It was sold during a big downturn, so it was not getting huge prices because it was sold off and it was sold off to dealers. You had shows that were basically primary shows, even though he was dead already. So the work that was sold by the various galleries that the foundation worked with were sold pretty much at primary kind of prices. And so you had all of that going on with a bad market. And so people got lazy and thought, oh, you know, you can, you'll be able to buy these paintings for cheap forever. Because it's been for a long time. And it still is, by the way. You know, you can still buy a really nice painting for under $200,000. There's no artist at that level that you can buy. You can't buy a Magritte gouache for less than $600,000. And they're, you know, they're six by six, they're on paper, and there are tons of them. Okay, but yet a black and white Warhol, which are very modern looking, you know, I think a lot of young artists would say they look a lot like something that could have been painted yesterday. You can buy a nice black and white for under $175,000. That's a deal. You can buy some of them for a hundred and a quarter. 16 by 20, Warhol painting. That's not gonna last forever. And I think we've all been kind of lulled into this thing of, well, it's always gonna be pretty cheap and there's so many of them. Yeah, there's so many Picassos too. You never see any of them selling for $150,000 canvases. That's what's going to happen with Warhol, which is, you know, I try to tell people, this is still a great investment opportunity, I think. And I think it's going to get stronger and stronger. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Intelligence Podcast. Visit us at artmarketmonitor.com.